Comics. Movies. Music. Video games. Technology. Blu-ray. Television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Now recording, and this is out now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and Abe is not here. But the, out now is normally a movie podcast, which is Abe and I discussing new movies weekly. Every now and then, though, we do these special bonus episodes, such as this one. This is going to be another one of our special commentary episodes for a horror movie. What horror movie, you ask? Well, I had to ask the, the listeners over on Facebook, facebook.com slash out now podcast, what, uh, co- what, what horror movie we should do for a commentary before realizing how obvious the answer actually is. Halloween's coming up. Why not do a commentary for the film Halloween from director John Carpenter? Um, I, I love this movie. I've gotten some other people that I believe love this movie quite a bit as well. And I figured, let's do this. Let's do a special commentary episode for Halloween. If you're tired of listening to John Carpenter or Jamie Lee Curtis yak about it on their commentary, that's more expertly crafted than ours will be, then come here and you've come to the right place. So, with that said, joining me to discuss Halloween, we have... From the Naptown there and whysoblue.com, from coming to you live from Smith's Grove Sanitarium, Brandon Peters. Ah, uh, you don't know what death is. <laughs> and from the from other shows at the HHW LOD Podcast Network, including the Walking Dead TV Podcast, we have from across the street from the Myers Place in Haddonfield, Jim Dietz. But you only see my arm in this shot. <laughs> How are you guys doing? Terrific. Loving it. Awesome. Um, no real notes to go over here. You guys that listen to these commentaries or people that are just like, hey, what's these commentaries like watching it for the first time? All you really need to know is that you could, if you're playing this episode and just being like, hey, I want to listen to this, great for you. But if you do, in fact, want to watch the film Halloween while listening to us schmucks yak about it for a couple, an hour and a half, you need to sync that movie up right now. So by doing that, you have to pop in whatever copy you have. My copy is the new Blu-ray release, which Brandon reviewed on Weiss of Blue and is quite excellent, both the review and the Blu-ray. Um, it is on this Blu-ray. I have it paused at seven seconds in. This is basically so the movie starts. You hear a little bit of the score, the iconic score, and the the lo- the, the company logo. A Compass International Pictures release pops up on screen. That is where I have it paused right now. I believe you gentlemen have it paused there as well. Yes. I'm good to go to Haddonfield. Okay, so I'm going to count down from three, two, one, go, and we're going to press play, and we're all going to go and start talking about the movie. So. In case you stumbled onto this commentary, that's what you're in for right now. So here we go. I'm going to count it down. Three, two, one, go. Okay. So I got it going on mine. You guys going as well? I'm going. I see about Mustafa Akkad. <laughs> so here we go. Uh, quick thoughts on Halloween. I like it quite a bit. Brandon, go. <laughs> Favorite movie of all time. Like, straight up favorite movie. 
straight up. Like, if, if I... If I have to pick the one that influenced me the most with my life and film and stuff, it's this one. I mean, I, I've, of course, am like everyone else, and Star Wars was huge for me. And uh, Tim Burton's uh, Batman was a big one for me, but this one really, I mean, it had a was quite the experience. The first time I watched it, um, a level of intensity I'd not had before really affected me. And then I also, in turn, wanted to know everything about this movie. And uh, I started learning about the people behind it and then learning that it was like such a, a, a small production that felt like, you know, like, oh, man, I, you know, movies are possible for like, you know, Joe Schmo like me to make. These people did this for like nothing. And everybody was helping with, you know, everything like Jamie Lee Curtis was doing. You know, she wasn't just the star of the movie. She was also raking up leaves, bagging them, you know, painting, pumpkin, carving pumpkins, stuff like that. I mean, helping out everywhere it just was like a really cool vibe and experience and stuff I, I wanted to be a part of and you know learn so much about film and stuff from this movie and this series Jim? Uh, Halloween was my first the first movie that ever really scared me I just wrote all about this actually in a, in a blog that's on Brandon's site um, about Halloween the first time I saw it it was as, as, a mid, as a midnight movie I was about 12 years old and at that point horror movies to me were like uh, Hammer horror movies or Roger Corman, Edgar Allan Poe movies I'd seen on Saturday afternoons. And uh, Halloween was the first movie I saw that was a horror movie that brought it to street level. That brought it to, uh, you know, it wasn't off in Europe somewhere in the distant past. It was a street that looked like my street and a school that looked like my school. And uh, that's what really, like, sold the horror in this movie for me because I was living in that kind of suburbia um, when this movie came out. It just really struck a chord with me and made me realize that horror movies could be a lot more than, you know, um, you know, uh, Christopher Lee and, and uh, Peter Cushing outwitting each other in, in, in a Hammer movie or something. You know, <laughs> horror movies could actually... It was the first movie that actually, like, scared me enough that on the way home from seeing it, I was, you know, still affected by it. And that was the first time I really became a fan of horror movies and, and understood, you know, why um, people are such big fans of the genre. Yeah, it's, it's amazing that, you know, for me too, Jim, like, it's, you know, looks like, you know, where I'm growing up and, and and home, but this is Pasadena, and they did a heck of a job relating it to like the Midwest, yeah. like it's supposed to be. I mean, aside for some hills in the background of a shot and the oh, California geez. license and the California license plates, yeah. Um, but I mean, it, it really looks genuine, and that probably has to do with the low budget. Approach. Well, yeah, I mean, they had to keep a street level up for all out of budget concerns, but I think it so much helps the film. Rather than hinders it. I mean, I couldn't imagine this movie being as effective as it was when I saw it for the first time if it had been like a quote unquote Hollywood production and had a lot more money behind it and, you know, when it shot on location somewhere in the Midwest or what have you, it wouldn't have improved the movie one whit. Where was the, yeah. where was the Rob Zombie movie shot, if you know offhand? It was the same. They kept it around the same streets. Cool. This opening sequence, by the way, this is like one of my all-time favorite opening sequences in any movie. I yeah. remember the, when I very first saw this, it just spooked the hell out of me because you're seeing the whole thing from Michael's point of view, and then the reveal at the end is just so well-realized. And this whole sequence, I mean, they're putting you in the, the boots of the killer. You know, they're putting you in the, you know, I mean, and you can't help but watch and be fascinated 
and it's just it was the first time I'd ever really seen like first person perspective used like this in a movie to that effect. I mean, it really got to me. You know, it really. Uh, I, I mean, I remember it to this day. It's why it's one of my favorite opening scenes of all time in any movie. So. Even that early reveal where you just see a child's hand pop in suddenly, which I think is what Deborah Hill's hand. Deborah Hill's hand. Yeah. But you see, you know, obviously it's it's a young hand as opposed to you know some old man hand or something like that. So like it suddenly shifts your perspective on what's actually going on. And then he grabs a knife, and it's like, whoa, <laughs> what yeah. is going on with this kind of scene? Well, and this like, is such yeah. a diligent sequence, too. If, if the camera moves any bit to the left, you see crew members, you see just, or to the right, it, it's all, you know, the magic is gone. Because there's people constantly shifting throughout this house, running back and forth, making sure everything goes right. And they only did up, um, this house was actually, it was abandoned, and they only this was the last days of shooting here and they only did up as much as would be likely seen shot with the camera. So there's just like the room to the left is barren and empty. And like, if they lift the camera up at certain spots, you just see nothing. Like they painted what they had to, they put furniture only where it would be necessary. Is that the first cut when he puts on the mask? Yes. And then there's another cut here. He runs down. Um, he turns to the knife, yeah. Oh, and it turns to the knife, and then when he runs down the stairs. Uh, after he's done stabbing her. It's so there's like, there's like three cut. cuts in this whole scene, right? Yeah, but forever they let it, people laid to believe it was the long, longest shot, uh, continuous city cam shot in film history. It wasn't until, I think, the late 90s where they finally you know, said, okay, yeah, we did make cuts. It took even like Alfonso Corona a while to admit that some of those scenes weren't done in one day. <laughs> in yeah. yeah. Spoilers, guys. Was- <laughs> it, it was it was a record hold like it was in record books it seemed like talking about how long the shot was and everything else and what about like rope <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> still working on that list huh yeah um I just this tracking shot through the kitchen i mean it just i don't know seeing this i mean i saw it when i was like 11 or 12 or something it just really affected me i never really seen this device used in film before because you know I was 11 or 12. And then, um, you know, seeing it used to this effect, it just like, like I said, it just really stuck with me. It's one of those scenes you never forget. Great reveal, just the way it shot. I mean, we haven't even talked about Carpenter's music in this movie yet, but it's so iconic and just sets such a great tone for everything that happens and and just the, the way it it enhances every scene of this movie is wonderful. Yeah, uh, this movie wasn't working without the music track. They were showing it before, and people weren't liking it at all. And once he added the music, it became you know, it became it came alive. I guess. I love I love that he does his own soundtracks, and I I would just want to say on the record that John Carpenter's soundtracks are some of the best driving music you'll ever have. <laughs> oh yeah, seriously, like the Escape from New York soundtrack, this soundtrack. Um, um, even the Escape from L.A. soundtrack, parts of that that he did. Um, they Live. They Live. Good harmonic- driving get some, get some harmonica going. <laughs> <laughs> they, they actually, when they were filming, um, when they did Planet Terror, they tried to commission Carpenter to do the score for that, but he turned them down. And it's like, come on, Robert Rodriguez, you can do, you do your scores anyway. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Come on. How old is Michael supposed to be now in 1978? 1978, um... Gosh, uh, I think he's 21. Like, like, that makes sense to me, right? He's like 21. It's like a pivotal age or whatever. Mm-hmm. Goes, returns to, like, finally he takes his chance. I don't know if 
Halloween, the curse of Michael Myers backs this up, if anything. But... Well, it, it, I mean, he's... Yeah, <laughs> they go back on a lot of things in that. Um, but he's actually, every... Every time, um, you know, he's come back in later years, I think his age has been appropriate, where it's, it's you know, he's not, you know, wa- he shouldn't be in a walker, you know? Oh, yeah, for sure. Because by, by the time you get to H2O, I mean, he's 41, he could still do quite damage. I mean, if James Bond is wandering around at those ages, then Michael Myers is perfectly apt to kill teens. I like H2O. It's a solid, solid movie. <laughs> it is a solid film. It takes it back. I don't think it holds up quite as well. But I think it, it, it finishes very strong. The the end sequence of that movie is what seals it. Yeah, that's why I hate Resurrection. Um, oh, but uh, <laughs> we don't. Let's just not talk about that movie Buster at all. Primes. Um, H2O, H2O. It has that one scene where a guy sticks his hand in a garbage disposal and doesn't get it mangled up, which is kind of a loss on sticking your hand in a garbage disposal. But besides that, I think it's just, he gets his throat ripped open with it, though. Yeah, I really like this part with the eye holes of the masks too. Uh, the mask, you know, scanning the room, stuff like that. It just really even brings the the first person thing home even further. Just sneaks up on his sister. So now we have the why are the patients wandering around? <laughs> this always creep me out. The, just the, the the car lights and not being able to sure what you see and you see all these people in white robes walking around. It's just freaky. Like they were gonna Yep, there we go. Here get Michael in there. Here comes the first jump scare. Michael's now grabbing the grab of the nurse. Getting to his car because he can drive, apparently. This uh Marion Crane who appears in this two and H2O. Oh, okay. She's actually she's same character. Know, in this one she just appears to be a nurse, but apparently she's I don't know, maybe government agent or something when she appears in the second one. And then uh she's the opening kill in H two O. Spoiler alert! <laughs> he uses her to find Michael, right? Or to find to find um. Yeah, she apparently Lori. took care of Doctor Loomis after two. And H two O, which none of it has Haddonfield in there, starts out in Langdon, Illinois, and moves out to Summer Glen, California. Langdon, of course, the the popular suburb of yes. <laughs> Haddonfield. <laughs> There's all these, there's these little towns that, you know, if you, you watch these movies, you kind of feel, like, involved in the city. There's, like, Russellville they talk about and Pontiac, and uh, there's, you know, Langdon, of course. Like that. It's like a DC universe of its own. It has its yeah, own. They, they, I mean, really, the movies do a really good job of making Haddonfield feel like a real place, even the poorer movies. This, just with general conversation, stuff that they don't have to have in there, but it just feels kind of genuine. It's why I like the Halloween series. I mean... Now we were talking about this kind of off off record, but I like the Halloween series more than the Friday series, more than the Nightmare on Elm Street series. Maybe, I, I, maybe because it just I like the continuity involved, in, even though kind of well, it, they're well, kind of the, the, the it, worst it has way. it has a yeah it has a weird kind of like H two O ditches three four five six, <laughs> but uh, but then like four four and five and six try to like set up its own weird kind of trilogy. Yeah, it's it, like so it's 
it's a neat approach, I guess. It just kind of it's a, it's attempts to respect its franchise impress me. Yeah. When it goes like too far, it just stops. It's just starts all over again. What Jim? I was just gonna say I always liked him more. It just seemed Michael My- Michael Myers seemed more plausible to me than Jason. I mean, Jason is pretty much immortal, you know. Michael Myers, I mean, seemed more believable in a weird way than Jason or Freddy. I think that's why I enjoy the franchise more. Something about the yeah, I mean, this is something we could explore for days, but just the mystique of the Myers character is inherently scary to me, whereas Jason just seems silly for whatever reason to me. Well, with Jason, I mean, you have to go to Jason. I mean, Michael comes to your house. Like, Jason, well, you got to go all the way out to Crystal Lake, and you got to mess with his woods. And It's always hard to book a date. And... Yes. And, and, I mean, Jason essentially wasn't the, the immortal self he was until, like, the, the sixth film. I mean, he was technically kind of human through, the, or through two, three, and four, but... Technically human. Technically. I mean, but... Anyway, you know. here's uh, here's Boo Radley's tree and the Myers house, um, which uh, looks wonderfully, wonderfully scary. Um, it, it has this great kind of it's obviously kind of dilapidated. It it uh, it just you get this great sense of character from just this building, and that's I always like that appreciate about this house. I, I have to I have to make a comment and and uh, praise this Blu-ray once more with the the new color timing is just fantastic. The, the, the sky and the look and the feel and the coldness just makes it feel like Halloween time and fall even more. And of course, we have the introduction of, of Laurie with Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, backup, actually. Michael Myers just... I, that's another thing I love about this. Michael Myers just stands. He just he just appears in places. He's not... <laughs> he, he doesn't make much bones about it. He's quietly stalking somebody from a distance out in the daylight. Just putting it out there. So, I mean, this whole movie is predicated on, like, when is he going to do something? I know he's going to do something. When is he going to do it? And it sets it up so well because, I mean, you have him sitting and stalking. And then in the meantime, you have Dr. Loomis just talking about how bad he is. And he just keeps building it up and building it up and building it up. Like, he's the reason. Dr. Loomis is almost as much a reason you're scared of Michael as, you know, watching him sit and stalk these girls. For sure. And poor and Donald, Ple- and I mean, and Donald Pleasant's finally got a role he could put some teeth into in this. I mean, he was kind of floundering around in TV movies and really bad European films. I mean, a few of them ended up on Mystery Science Theater, um, like Puma, Puma Man, and uh, I'm thinking of, and, and Warrior of the Lost World. But I mean, this, I mean, he really does, like, like you say, Brandon, set up the, the why Michael is so scary. He's the only one who really like sees the real terror. Yeah, the only two that the only two that see it are him and Tommy Doyle, the little boy. You get a deranged old man and a young kid. He's like he's like Sheriff Brody at the beach in Jaws, you know. Yeah. He's trying to warn everybody, but no one will listen. I mean, he was in The Great Escape. (laughs) Oh, I know he was in. I'm just saying, by this time in the 70s, he'd kind of. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, he was. Home on leaner times as as Star Wars on the wane, as it were. Now this now this is terrifying. He's a good actor. (laughs) Really good actor. Yeah. Oh yeah. The, the Michael just standing watching her at school. What's even more terrifying is like there's no reason he should know what like class she should be in at that time. He just knows. That's that's, yeah. that's scary. <laughs> Guy well, staring at you outside a window. 
Yeah, used to know. I want to point out that the scene before this, where Loomis was with the uh, Doctor Wynn there, was the the uh, almost the entire um, basis for Halloween Six: The Curse of Michael Myers. Yeah, because... that one scene right there where you have Doctor Wynn, who ends up getting played by Mitch Ryan in that later entry, and Loomis saying, uh, or he's like. He couldn't have drive here, didn't know how. He's like, he was doing very well that last night. Maybe someone here taught him lessons. And that's part of where Daniel Farron's got his, aha, I'm going to tie this all together idea for It's all about Michael's Christmas. driving lessons? It's all about Michael's driving lessons. Wow. And here's Dri- Tommy Doyle, who would later grow up to be Paul Rudd. Paul, in Halloween Paul, Paul Stephen Rudd. Paul, Paul Stephen, Stephen. Paul Stephen yes, Rudd. Paul Stephen I, just, Rudd. I just watched Halloween Curse of Michael Myers because it's unfortunately the only one available on Netflix the other night. Um it's no watch. I forgot Donald Pleasance was in THX. Yeah, I mean he's a great he's a great actor. It just yeah. By this time, you know, he wasn't as uh, you know in demand. So it was cool that he could be in this low budget of a movie at this time. You know, considering you know he like you said, Great Escape and all these other great movies he had been in. But uh, he really sells it. I think he really sells the fear of Michael to me anyway. He did for you know when I saw it. That's a well, great only, by the way. Oh, yeah. Where he jumps out at the kid that knocked over Tommy. Well, I think Donald Pleasance was only there for like three days, too. That's all they had him for. And they wanted Christopher Lee, but that didn't work out. Well, I think, I think they were. Christopher Lee would almost be too imposing to be. To, well, Christopher, <laughs> so, Christopher Lee yeah. has said he always, he's, he's always regretted it, uh, turning down the role. And then... Um, he thought his next opportunity to get something similar is when they offered him the howling. He he jumped on that because and because all, he passed on Halloween and wished he would have done it. We all oh, cherish the howling to this day. The howling yep. too. That your sister is a werewolf. Um, that's a great long shot again. <laughs> yeah, just falling after Tommy. Dean Cundy's cinematography. Amazing. He Amazing. shot my childhood. Yeah. <laughs> he did Raiders. I mean, like it's all 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 three. Good Indiana, great Indiana Jones movies. Uh, it's um, just just great. Oh my god, this whole sequence is just eerie. Well done. Low budget movie. Can you know very very street level, very uh, very eye level. Like most of the shots are, are mid shots at eye level. You know, nothing, nothing extravagant or fancy. It just keeps everything on a smaller scale. And I think that really plays to the movie's strengths. There's your hills that don't exist in the Midwest. Oh, those? Yeah. You haven't seen those before? I've I've seen those hills. Where have you been? (laughs) (laughs) That's like, uh, like Footloose has like mountains in it. It's supposed to take place in like outside of Chicago or something like that. Yeah, this is the infamous rabbit in red. Um, matchbook comes from here. How many how many cars did Michael take to get to Haddonfield? Well, he didn't take this one. He just got the clothes from the guy. He still got the Smith's Grove car. Oh, was... never. Yeah, okay. What am I thinking? How do you think he convinced this guy to? Just... What do you think he did <laughs> in order to get this to get this done? He could have acted like his car was. It's a garage car, so. I guess I'm just I'm picturing Michael like standing on the side of a road in a hospital gown, like thumbing somebody over to get them to stop, <laughs> <laughs> not saying anything, just just quietly staring at them. <laughs> that role would be played in the remake by Ken Foray as Big Joe Grizzly. Yeah, 
<laughs> so now we get PJ Souls. Oh yeah, she was like the she was like a big get for this movie. She was one of the better names because she was coming off of Carrie. Carrie, yeah. I just watched the original Carrie the other night too. So. Yeah, I yeah, I just popped that one in a couple days ago myself. She's dressed like Mario in most of that movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She was also, I mean, she was also in Rock and Roll High School and Stripes. Yep. With uh, Sean Young, actually, the the female lead in that one. Completely sane, Sean Young and Stripes. Yeah. And of course, we get a uh, Annie as well. Um, what's her name? Nancy Nancy Loomis. That's not even a real name, though, isn't it? So much typing. Um... <laughs> Sorry. Now this, I mean, I, I really love this establishing of the girls. They they feel genuine. They feel real. They each have their own little quirky personality. That who am I yeah. thinking of? It's another D name then for cinematographer. <laughs> Raiders of the Lost Ark. Dean Cundey did shoot. He shot um, Back to the Future. Who am I thinking of? Raiders Zemeckis. That uh, is a big, did, big car. He did work with Spielberg on Jurassic Park. Douglas Slocum. There we go. I knew it was a D name. Okay. Get my cinematographer straight. Because that matters. And I always thought it was funny when, she's, uh, when Linda goes, is that Devon Graham? Yeah. I thought it was Michael Myers. I like that Michael has super, <laughs> supersonic hearing. Windows up, driving well, she away. She yells at him. Well, the one window's broken. Remember he smashed Fine. the window okay. the night before. Fair enough. I, I know this movie up and down. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt, man. I, I love how they establish like you know Jamie Lee has the uh, the the two sweaters on, so you know, and the big pile of books because you know she's a good girl. And then PJ Souls has a cigarette, so you know she's the bad girl. Douglas Slocum's a hundred years old. Way off topic, but I'm just saying. <laughs> God bless him. Hundred years old. I just I this also really spawned my love of Carpenter over the years. I mean. This, The Fog, Escape from New York, all of his 80s movies, they live. The Thing. Um, the Thing, yeah. Just... From ha- Halloween to, to They Live, he was on just a, a roll. Yeah, good stuff all around. I mean, it took him a while to reach his masterpiece, which I always have said is John Carpenter's Vampires. But, uh... Girls are still walking home. Still walking. And the streets do uh, switch from being wet to dry. (laughs) I do like the kind of shaky steady cam that's following them. It's not just, you know, it's not on tracks or whatever. It's just actually handheld. It's nice. Nice effect. I mean, it's something they would do digitally now, probably, I guess. What's the last great Carpenter movie? Be in the Mouth of Madness, maybe? Yeah. That's that's what's generally, generally considered... It's not, village, it's not Village of the Damned. <laughs> no. It's not Ghosts of Mars. It's not The Ward. That's just the last one. Yeah. <laughs> this is so great. And uh, coming up here is a classic moment where um, you can see John Carpenter's cigarette smoke go across the screen. Oh, really? Let me see. Yeah. When she, when she comes through the bush and sees nothing and she goes back to talk to Laura, you can see a little stream of smoke. Just John Carpenter's cigarette. That's kind of scary too, right there. Where because like, 
ideally, he's got standing right there. It's like it's got a close. It's got the close on it. Ah, uh, come on here. One, two. There it is. I saw it. Yep. <laughs> there you go. No, that's just that's just atmosphere. That's, that's just, yeah. <laughs> it's just it's just physical atmosphere. Yeah, really. Jeez, the fog, escape from New York, Christine, Starman, Big Trouble, Prince of Darkness, they live. All solid. Although I remember a lot of people not liking Prince of Darkness when it came out, but I loved it. I, I, I really like that one. I think it's even better now. Actually, yeah. yeah, I'd agree with that. I think it kind of fits some social. Uh, it certainly campy, though. You can't like watch that. Movie. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's camp. It's it's camp with some creep too. Yeah, because for every creepy scene, there's like Alice Cooper stalking around, or like a guy doing yeah. kung fu moves to get through a door or something. Yeah, you know, he he <laughs> got that, but he got that part just because like of a set visit. Like Carpenter decided to put him in a like he decided to make like a ringleader for the homeless people. When Alice Cooper just was like a fan of Carpenter, had met him at a show or something, and Carpenter's like, and he's like, "Can I come down to the set and see what you're shooting?" He's like, "Yeah, sure." And then he was just sitting hanging out, and he's like, "You want to be in this?" And he's like, "Yeah." And then he's like, "Well, we'll shoot one little quick shot." And he's like, "Hey, do you want to be like the ringleader of the homeless?" And he wound up getting the part he had. Now we got Chuck Cyphers. There's Chuck Cyphers, who's a Carpenter regular. Assault on Precinct Thirteen. There is a commentary we should do. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. I have to, I have to review it uh, for next month. So most uh, most Carpenter movies actually are pretty fitting for a commentary. They're just they're yeah. they're, they're, they're they sit right right in that sweet spot where it's fun to talk over them. <laughs> yeah, the, the way you are with this movie, Brendan, I am with Escape from New York. I love that movie. I do. I've like probably seen it like a hundred times. Unfortunately, you know. Which is sad because I could have spent that time like getting a PhD or something, but um, I, I, I'll always have a soft spot in my heart for that movie. See, I'm that I'm the thing. Is that is my Carpenter movie? That's yeah. a lot of people. That's a lot that's, of people. That's an awesome movie. movie. That's that definitely definitely my second. Hi, how you doing? I'm looking at your laundry. Oh, now I'm gone. <laughs> that uh, that Kurt Russell relationship is great. Oh yeah. 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 If anyone's ever again scary, just guy standing uh anyone and that one might even not be real that one just might be lori right you'd have to no, think that right i don't know i mean she stared at it the entire time it's not like she turned away like, that's a scene they, they paid homage to with uh paranorman yeah uh, yeah paranorman just great work of homages to other movies but i mean think about that scene like lori's staring there like it's not like she turned away in class and like he was reasonably gone. I, I think yeah. she's just been seeing him so much the entire day at that point that it's just, it's just looming in the back of her mind. She's a big fan of James Ensor. Who isn't? <laughs> That's I have that same poster on my wall in front of me right now. Oh, <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, have a, I, have a, I have a mirrored one, Do you have one a Raggedy Ann and a jewelry box under it? And a no, black globe? No, <laughs> my, my, my scary clown sucked those into my closet, but I mean, the James Ensor one... It, it, I have a mirrored version where it's just that same pose, but him facing the other way. So it's two ensors back to back looking at each other. It's great. Oh my god! Can't believe you guys don't have that. <laughs> one of the one of the uh, the television scenes that they added, I really like with the uh, the added one with Lori and Annie and uh, Linda, where Linda comes over to try to borrow a blouse from Lori, and then Annie calls to try to borrow like I think the same blouse or something like that. But um, it's just really fun giving them more moments and and. A much richer friendship with the three of them. It's a fun scene. Yeah, I know what you mean. 
are the um are the kids that are trick or treating that we saw earlier? Is that because Carpenter couldn't shoot at night? Or no, he does shoot at night though with kids trick or treating. He does shoot at night trick or treating. It was just kids out early. Yeah. I I know like cause I I mentioned that because I know like Freaks and Geeks, the short lived but very wonderful TV series that's on Netflix. Watch Instant. Like they had a Halloween episode where all the kids had to trick or treat during the day because they couldn't shoot at night. Yeah, um, I mean kids go out like nowadays, man. It's like. Oh yeah, driving driving home from work and and the kids are out trick or treating and they're no. done before the sun goes down. Yeah, I speed up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, that's not, that's not. I don't know where that came from. Uh, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, people, you know, take the younger ones out earlier. You yeah. think I love these big '70s cars? I oh, love it. And pumpkins. Mm-hmm. Here comes the. Song people don't usually think to associate with the movie, but uh, Blue Oyster Cult, Don't Fear the Reaper. Oh, yeah. Playing in the car. Carpenter was a fan. That and Mr. Sandman are my Halloween songs. Oh, you don't, you don't, what about Creed? What's this life for? What? <laughs> no dice? No dice? Only as an Ipecac. Or uh, Brother Brother Kane, uh, Fool Shine On. Better. Um, that uh, that scene where Laurie's just waiting, was just lying on the bed and just kind of letting time pass. That reminds me of that scene. But my favorite stretch of Scream is the one where Nev Campbell's kind of waiting around at night, and like Rose McGowan calls her at some point, and then he, she gets the call from the uh, from a uh, Ghostface, and it's just kind of a. I always feel like that scene pays homage to pays homage to to that scene and this scene in Halloween where Laurie's just kind of waiting around for things to get going. It's just kind of a, a yeah. laid laid back sequence, friends talking to each other with looming threat on the horizon. Well, it's also an early attack that you don't see coming in Scream. Exactly, yeah. And with the, the opening kill being, you know, Drew Barrymore, who at the time, <coughs> it's now in pop culture that she's the opening victim, but at the time you thought she was a, just a regular part of the movie, and, and after she went, anybody was game. I love this scene with the uh, this guy who's telling this horrible story, and then he has to get he gets cut off. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's a great it's a great bit. <laughs> there are there are people there there are hardcore fans that uh, believe that this Charlie Bowles that he talks about, um, you know, grabbed a hacksaw and all that was cursed with a thorn as well, just like Michael Myers in Halloween Six, the Paul Rudd adventure. Yeah, that's what I subtitled. It's... Michael's very strong. He can lift a tombstone on his own. Now it's Cheech and Chong's up in smoke. With there it is. Lori <laughs> and Annie. Oh, Rick Rosenthal re- returned for Halloween Resurrection? Yeah. Yes, and it proved that Carpenter did have a big hand in Halloween 2's success. <laughs> Rick, which, which um, you know, Jim, you pointed out in your uh, the first article you wrote for me, the Halloween 3 one that uh, Tommy Lee Wallace ended up doing a lot of TV, and most of the Halloween directors spent most of their time in TV. Dwight Little, uh, Joe Chappelle, and uh, Rick Rosenthal, of course, did uh, a lot of TV as well. Rick Rosenthal, who directed Halloween 2 and Resurrection, did a lot of Smallville episodes and plenty of TV through his career. I love that Michael's chasing them in the car, or just driving behind them in the car right now. Another one of the subtler ones, but you kind of you realize like, oh, yeah, he's doing that. <laughs> hey, our car reeks a pot. Let's drive up to these <laughs> cops. <laughs> well, 
I, I hey, you want some weed? <laughs> logic. Just be natural. He won't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no. There is no possible way he could detect that we're high right now because we're acting natural. We had the windows roll up and everything. Nice high smile from a Curtis. <laughs> See, from this point in the movie where Annie picks up Lori, um, it's it's just as much her movie as it is Lori's once, you know, you know, they're together and they split up and go babysitting. If not, even more so. She's doing more interesting things. She's got more dialogue. So I could, you know, Graham, we have those, we've established Lori in two scenes early on that we're going to be following her, but you could, I mean, back in the day without knowledge of who Jamie Lee Curtis is and the star she would become, you could easily think that maybe Annie's the main character. Yeah, for sure. I mean, her father's heavily involved in everything. Well, I mean, Loomis is like the main character, but yeah, it's like... Well, here's it. There's Michael here's, in the back. Right? Yeah, here's an interesting shot. When this was on VHS and growing up, you couldn't see him there. Huh. You, it was it was cropped, and this car passed in the background, and you didn't even notice it was Michael. And when I first saw this in Letterbox, I was like, "Oh my gosh, Michael just drove by, just drove behind him." But that was that was cropped. You think saying it, that it, Michael would know Mike? But with that shot establishing the only two, the only real time they meet each other until like the end. You think yeah. that's you think that's Michael acknowledging that Loomis is in town, also looking for him? Doesn't really matter. You don't really get on the side of the head of Michael Myers, but yeah, hey, it's a J.J. Abrams lens flare. Yeah. There you go. It's distracting you from the palm trees. Um, and with one turn here, it will become pitch black night. The sun goes down quick in Haddonfield. That's the one of the things people don't really realize about it, is the mountains, obviously, that in cabin, you know, surround Haddonfield. It makes it just a hotbed for night. Uh, obviously, I'm looking at the, uh, the the poster for H2O, and it reminds me of Dimension's habit of putting what they think are the most popular stars in order on their posters. <laughs> so you have Jamie Lee Curtis, then Michelle Williams, then LL Cool J, then Jody Lynn O'Keefe, who you obviously know just by be saying that name, and yes. the, and then uh, Josh Hartnett, because that was his first movie, I believe, right? Yes. He's going to be a big deal for a stretch of 12 years. That's why Scream's hilarious, because it's like, uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, Drew Barrymore is on top, and like Nev Campbell and, and popular actor Skeet Ulrich. Wow, and... it does get dark in yep. Renfield, Bam. doesn't it? I don't know, maybe they just drove around a lot longer, and they, you know, the, the lost deleted scenes of them driving until it got completely dark. <laughs> time, time does get away from you when you're smoking the wacky weed, that's for sure. Brandon, but, maybe you should just look up the uh, the lost the lost lost scenes of Halloween. The lost lost scenes of Halloween. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Michael will later take this car and drive it back to his house, and then return back here to stalk the girls. He's a big he's a big fan of cleaning up evidence. Yeah. And it's not a far walk, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I mean, if you're about to you know embark on a night of slaughter, you want to get your blood going, right? So you want to like have it. Yeah. Nice, maybe even maybe even jogged. I don't know. He's a young guy. Maybe he jogged over. Well, I like how they give us... They give us his look, but they don't. We don't get very long shots. We don't get clear shots. If we see his face, it's from a, a big distance. Yeah, I, I, the, the best reveal, I guess, is probably when he kills Annie, when you really get a full-on shot of the mask. Yeah. Well, it's kind of it's it's through a fogged up car window too. True. So it's yeah. not really, um, but the way they shoot Michael, I mean, like as I'm, 
as I uh, mentioned in my Weiss of Blue review, it just is like so strangers on a train. I know they they talk how Psycho, you know, was the grandfather of all this, but I mean, this movie reminds me more of Strangers on a Train aesthetically yeah. than it does Psycho. When you wrote about that, I was completely on board with that. I, I know because Strangers on Strangers on a Train is one of my favorite movies, and it um, one of my favorite Hitchcock movies for sure, at least, and. Um, that's one where I, when the se- the second I read that it just clicked for me completely. I was like this it, this does have a lot of that imagery in there. Just the way shots are constructed and things. It really, I mean, obviously Carpenter's a you know a Hitchcock fan, but like yeah. that, that one, yeah, I could I could completely see how that one weighs in on this one. Yeah, Howard. Yeah. I, I mean, he always talks Howard Hawks being his big influence, but I mean, maybe he's like Woody Allen not admitting Charlie Chaplin's his influence. <laughs> Speaking of. Influences, by the way, when I was watching Carrie, it's amazing how much Psycho is in that movie. I really didn't think about that before. Oh man, De Palma yeah. is such a oh, huge yeah. I know, yeah, Hitchcock fan. Yeah. I mean, De takes oh it. yeah, it, yeah. Come on. Carpenter, Carpenter does it to where it's homage. I mean, De Palma was like, well, you know, well, VHS wasn't around back then, so. So De Palma's was... like the 80s, 70s Tarantino. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 very much that's so. Good, yes. Yeah, it's a good approximation. That's really good. And yeah. I mean, Tarantino loves De Palma movies. Like, Blowout's one of his favorite movies, I'm pretty sure, actually. Well, right. yeah, but Tarantino well, at least has multiple yeah. influences. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, you got to give De Palma credit, though. He did shoot the hell out of... Oh, yeah, no, I, I love De Palma's stuff. I mean, all of these guys are... I mean, yeah. hit him and... Like I mean, Lucas and Spielberg—they're—they're they're heavily cashing in on the serials they loved as kids. Like they all yeah. like—they're all clearly and Scorsese as well taking kind of kind of pulp John. It's these directors certainly—it's it, not like what Tarantino did was new, which is I think something a lot of people kind of like forget when they like for people that like want to bash on Tarantino. It's not like no other directors ever taken work from other directors before, <laughs> or same with like Rob Zombie. Like these these guys that are the masters, you know the 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 the. the fun friends that are Coppola, Lucas, Spielberg, and De Palma, among others. Like those guys all took from things that they loved when they were. Well, know, yeah, they, they all, they all admit they're like, well, I just wanted to make movies I wanted to see. Yeah. Which right. means, you know, they they liked movies and wanted movies like those. I mean, yeah, Tarantino goes to get that. And I mean, Rob Zombie too. And Rob Zombie's just, he's just like the horror version of Tarantino pretty much. It's, I mean, cribs from all the stuff he knows and crafts his own. Here's a good monologue. Here's here's another good monologue by Donald Pleasance. He's terrific with all these. I mean, it's like I like I said, it's like dark poetry. Whenever he speaks, he does sell it really well. I mean, that is that's essential to set up the you know the tension that pays off in the second half of the movie. And he, I mean, he obviously loved the part. He came back, you know, like five. You know, he played character five times and always he always said he'd stop at 22 <laughs> and i mean he even had a horrible time on the set of halloween five and, and came back for halloween six i never i've never seen like interviews with him or whatnot but i'd like to think that he's kind of like a fun guy to be around i feel like anybody that's in like escape from new york and <laughs> gets up that yeah. kind of mode is probably a guy that likes to have fun on sets Like when? How old is he now in this movie? Like fifty something. Um. Halloween. Easily. Yeah. Donald Pleasance, seventy-eight. Let's see. Good picture on Wikipedia. <laughs> nice young picture. Uh, nineteen nineteen. 
So yeah, he's... he was pushing sixty when it came out. Yeah. He was an RAF flight lieutenant. Oh, that's in Great Escape. <laughs> yeah. Oh wait, no, he was. He actually did serve in the Royal Air Force. Never mind. <laughs> Brought to the screen. What's Tommy yep. Doyle supposed to be for Halloween? Just a spaceman? Uh, yeah, I think just a spacesuit. Um, His helmet. Maybe, oh, right maybe there, he's right? maybe he's Charlton Heston from Planet of the Apes. Actually, yeah, that <laughs> might be it. No, I think I think we've esta- I think that's established ones. I think you like see that somewhere on him. And you know the the interiors of this house, these houses just feel like I, you know, I grew up in, you know, I was born in '82, but you know, I do have memories of you know '70s stuff becoming '80s. There's that transition period where it's about the same, but it just felt like something I knew so much. Yeah. Even if I was, even if I was past this time when I first saw the movie, it just resonated with me really well. I mean. It's not like this is a period piece either. I mean, it does just no. looks like they. It just looks. It looks like suburbia. You know, it doesn't look like, you know, a castle in Transylvania or yeah. you know. It, it looks look lived like, in for sure. Right yeah. or yeah. you know the house of Usher in the 18th century or something. You know? Yeah, like a lot of yeah, like a lot of stuff for horror for a long time was all gothic stuff that just you know you can't you can't relate with. This was this was this seemed plausible to me when I was. You know, when I saw it when I was 12, I think it was like 1981 um, when I saw it, or 1980 maybe. But it just seemed like very plausible, very, like, damn, this guy could be, you know, waiting for me at home now, you know. What was the horror trend around? Well, I guess it's 70s, so it really, it was, it I mean, was, it was all over. I mean, I mean it's it, like, Chains, there was a big, Chainsaw well, yeah, was 74. Yeah, Chainsaw yeah. was was big in a midnight movie in the midnight movie circuit. There were a lot of horror movies. I mean, Dawn of the Dead. I remember seeing yeah. for the first time the original. Um, there was a big like push on Satan after the success of uh, Rosemary's Baby and The Exorcist. Oh, uh, The Exorcist, yeah, The Exorcist. Yeah, you had the so Omen. there were a ton of devil yeah. movies. You know, The Omen and Amityville the, uh, Horror. Exactly. You know, stuff like that. That was a silly uh, question. It's seventies. There's plenty of horror movies coming out. Yeah, of yeah. There were there were a lot. I guess, it's but none. Of... I mean, this this wasn't. It wasn't like this. You know, it wasn't. There was no supernatural aspect here to me. For me, you know, Michael Myers was just someone who was incredibly deranged and had a plan and a big knife. You know what I mean? He didn't have, you know, the powers of Satan behind him, or you know what I mean? Or yeah. Like, I just it just seemed like something that could happen. Oh, yeah, and it seemed like a very real suburban setting, and um, I was at the right age, and I don't know. That's it scared me. Well, there's well, the, a great scene right here, guys. It's yes. Like, it's, it's, yeah. It's, right. I spilled some butter. All of my clothes need to come off now. Uh, <laughs> butter is toxic. I've got to burn these. <laughs> the the one thing with Michael Myers is with with this film um, is you just don't know. Like why why these girls like why he, he's so it's so much more mysterious he has no he has no motive here What's right it, like I don't remember, makes it scarier I don't remember yeah. when I discovered he was his sister but that always taints my mind in this situation like I I can never really it's hard for me to watch this movie without that in mind yeah it doesn't count though I mean when you watch this movie that stuff is not true I mean yeah but like I can't like it's impossible for me to picture it that no, way no I I, I I hear you just like watching. You know, like Leia and Luke kiss in Empire. You're not supposed to say "ew, gross." For some reason, like, well, yeah, but for some reason, that just doesn't like get. It doesn't like affect my viewings of those movies. For some reason, I can always 
it, it all it's it's always J.B. Lee Curtis is definitely the sister of Michael when I watch Halloween. I can't separate nice. myself from that fact. Spoilers. <laughs> I love that he that he's showing the thing opening sequence just because it's so cool. Yes, in here yep. and just like just like he did it in the in the remake of the thing. Or Shadowman. Yeah, but that's such a that's and, such a cool burn in. <laughs> in Halloween two, they are watching Night of the Living Dead, mm-hmm. and then in Halloween H two O, they're watching Scream two. Mm-hmm. All those are fun, like the what Hills Have Eyes poster and Evil Dead and the Evil Dead poster and Nightmare. Yeah, well, in the the Freddy glove and Evil Dead two, right, that's actually stolen from the set of. It could be Charlton Heston. <laughs> you mean Taylor? Yeah. No, Charlton Heston just played himself. <laughs> he just took <laughs> on some identity of, of Taylor to get away from it all. I'm playing Taylor. Ah. It just says astronaut on his uh, shirt. His onesie. Major Matt Mason. <laughs> Steve Austin ever wear something like that? No, his was orange. Oh, that's right. Yeah. His jumpsuit. Yeah. And carve the jack o' lantern. And this, I love this sequence where Michael pops up in this. So creepy, yeah. and you, you figure this is it. Yeah, this has got to be it for Annie, and it's not. Just the lighting, everything. I love it. What's irritating is watching this movie with certain people now and them saying, she should just be doing this or that. It's like, well, this, this doesn't happen at this time. It's not, like, like... The rules don't apply. Here. Like It's it's hard to tell people. Like, the, like If you're going to watch this movie for the first time and you're like 35 and you go to like, the theater or something, I, I always suggest with this movie and you're, you're an older, more mature person to watch it by yourself. We don't watch it with people. Yeah. Um, like I've I've seen this in a the theater and you know people laugh and stuff like that. And yeah, it's very hard for me to watch this movie yeah. with more other with more than just myself. <laughs> yeah, because I I think a lot of people's you know if if some people's I'm not saying this is the case definitely, but some people's reaction in crowds when they're nervous or scared is to make jokes and you know laugh and stuff, but. I don't know. When I saw it in the theater at the midnight movies, uh, it was it wasn't a joke. People were jumping. It was definitely like a date type movie. You know what I mean? Well, that's when you first you saw had a, it. Yeah, right? this was you, yeah. you had a you had the ideal era to to check it out. Like yeah, now, I suppose. Though. Like yeah. now, when you watch it, unless it's yeah. like in some specialty theater, like the New Beverly Cinema in L.A., like you're watching it in a public screening at some regular random theater, like it it doesn't play as well, which is unfortunate. Right. Right. Michael being right there is creepy again, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Michael, for most of the movies, played by Nick Castle, who was the uh, director of The Last Starfighter. Obviously, yes. And, and, uh, but he's played by multiple people throughout the movie. Like, whenever he breaks something, it's Tommy Lee Wallace, because he was a set designer, and he, uh, he knew how exactly to break things so they wouldn't have to, like, redo it or set it up again if, po- if all possible. And, like, uh, Tony Moran plays him with the mask off. And 
I, Deborah Hill is the hand, but I think she also stood in in a shot. And I, I've, it's been rumored that John Carpenter himself was like Michael in a shot too. Jeez, what like Michael, mm-hmm. Michael and Blofeld and Kaiser Sose yeah. played by the most people. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's part. This part it was part of the fun with me when I was young, learning. I was like, oh my gosh, that's cool. Like, well, I guess say what you will about Freddy. At least he kept it real and stayed the same the whole time. <laughs> Actually, there's a. Uh, in part two, they, they replaced Robert England, and it was going horribly, so they brought him back. And there's a couple shots. There's a couple shots still in there, with his his substitute. It's a good ass shot, by the way. For, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I, uh, what's uh, Brad Dourif? I guess then. <laughs> way to go. You <laughs> stuck with him for Chucky. Yes. Warwick Davis. Good job, man. Leprechaun for life. <laughs> Leprechaun for life. <laughs> Leprechaun for life. <laughs> In the Hood. So the sequel to In the Hood, yeah. yeah. Was there was a sequel, Back to the Hood. Yeah. Leprechaun Life didn't choose... He didn't choose Leprechaun Life. Leprechaun Life chose him. All his life he wanted to be a Leprechaun. <laughs> <laughs> I love that she just immediately tells him that, <laughs> that she's stuck. <laughs> Doesn't care who it is. <laughs> and I'm a, I'm a big fan of this character of Annie. Like, she's one of my favorite like slasher movie characters that didn't make it That's of all time. Too. That's a she's, great... Michael shot once again. But no, I know what you mean. Yeah. And she she actually was the... She married, uh, for a while, Tommy Lee Wallace. She must have strangled her really nice or something. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's probably why she appears in Halloween 3. Did he strangle her? Or did um, um, the other ones... uh, uh, The other Michael... I don't know who played in the, the car scene. Come on, Brand. These are the pressing questions that people want to know. What are you doing? Hell, I know. Back there. I, I have failed. Who killed I'll just, who? I'll just, leave <laughs> pod, I'll just leave the podcast right now. Brandon out. <laughs> Where can people find more of your work? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> don't even bother. I'm a failure. But no, the, and the kids, too, watch sitting and watching horror movies in the dark living room by themselves late at night that that's totally me yeah when i was you know watching something like this that's, that's what i did i mean it was by take me to the video store get three movies and i would wait till everyone went to bed and watch them all and they were usually horror movies I would so. just be on, they'd just be on tv and i'd watch them all the time child's play two and three always on tv when i was young i'd always watch them i'd always get scared of child's play two and three they're not good <laughs> movies Watch him now. Good shot. I give you two, but three. Come on, Aaron. Well, two, three. Well, three. I think I've explained my my my, my intense passion for the garbage man who dies in the garbage truck scene in Child's Play because <laughs> he's so innocent. He just wants to help some kid, and Chucky kills him for no reason. But, uh, the barber, the barber guy, deserved it, but the the garbage man did nothing. The garbage man can't in that scene. Um, That's one thing I do give Child's Play three. It has Andy Robinson in it. Yeah. I, I'm a fan of the actor, like. He's just a fun guy. Child's the first, but Child's Play too. Yeah, there's some creepy stuff in that movie. <laughs> and I'm young, so it's I was young then, so it's like, oh, this is like, yeah, doll. It's crazy. <laughs> See, when I, when I was first discovering horror, like I started watching on TV, but once I discovered how much they hacked out of it, I couldn't watch and it, like couldn't watch TV movies anymore. I was that same way, but I didn't have any other access. So if Predator yeah. came on or Predator Two came on, other movies I also watched a ton and still love. I love those are legit good. Predator One especially. I mean, well, it's it's also how I started collecting more too. Was when I because sure. yeah. I used to just tape like have my blank VHS tapes and like tape off TV and that was it. That was how I had it. And yeah. then when I started learning that, I started replacing all them and 
Boom. I have that for, uh, I had that kind of feeling for uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. I had it on tape, and I never, no, I had, I had um, Temple of Doom and the Crusade on tape back to back because it probably played that day on TV, but I never saw the ending of the Temple of Doom for the longest time, and I never saw the beginning of Last Crusade for the longest time. So Temple of Doom would be, Temple of Doom would end with him getting climbing up the bridge. End. Like I had no idea. I had no idea what happened. After. Like he climbs up the bridge after he kills oh, like everybody else dies, and that's it. Then to Crusade starts at the ship. So I didn't see any of Young Indiana Jones forever for so the longest he, time. He fell off the bridge and landed on that ship. Exactly. Like that's <laughs> like I never realized how much of I, I missed both of these. Well, I mean, the end of Temple of Doom is kind of inconsequential, but the beginning, the beginning of Crusade is like, wow, there's all this whole like train sequence here that's awesome. Anyway, back to Halloween. This is a great scene. The uh, the established of the shot of the cars locked. Everything that follows this, you you have you know what's going on. You know Michael's around. She's whistling this song. You know why she's going here because she's trying to get keys to go into the mm-hmm. car. And then when we'll get to it, but I mean, she's so nonchalant. She is. While also this movie doing great job of setting up geography for this house. Like you get a great understanding of the details involved and what's across the street and. And, and and in the house that uh, Lori's in as well. But then don't get in the cards, the, Christine. Opens the door, <laughs> boom, and that's such a great like. And what? then she realizes it. Yeah. And then she sees the fog in the glass. I don't know how Michael did that, by the way, but good job. <laughs> and done. And you forget it's a slow slow death with no music. Terrifying. <laughs> like there's this guy strangling me. I can't do anything about it. No one's coming to help me. No one can well, hear me. The last time I saw this in the theater, people were laughing yeah, during this. Because of those bug eyes. But besides, bug eyes, I right. mean, it's just such a it's just a chilling scene. And knife. Done. And This is not R-rated stuff, by the way. But no. it got it. Not yet. It's not R-rated until PJ Souls. Yep. Up in bed. You guys would see Michael's sisters. But even then, in like 78, the boobs wouldn't give this an R rating. Yeah, it would. In 78, the boobs would. Yeah. Maybe. And and one thing, too, this is a movie that, like, after people in their head, it was a lot more violent than after the movie, thinking back on it, than it actually appeared. Hey, Howard the Duck comic. It is Howard the Duck. He was just there. On set one day. <laughs> and this is just creepy. And Tommy looks out the window. And that girl right there, she's on like one of those Real Housewife shows now. Real Housewives really? in Haddonfield? Or, yeah. She's... <laughs> I don't know, Filthy Rich and something now that her name's Kyle Richards. Kim Richards? Was she also in Escape from Witch Mountain? I hope so. No, it's Ki- okay. Kyle, Kyle Richards. Oh, she has okay. a sister named Kim Richards. Her sister okay. is Kim Richards. Ah. Okay. Who was, on, who was in Escape of uh, Assault on Precinct 13. I wonder how that edition process went. No one believes Tommy, and no one's really sure if they believe Loomis.
Actually, now and, I'm figure this out. Because, like, Kim Richards, I guess, was the girl that got shot in Assault on Precinct 13. And Kyle Richards is the girl that survived Halloween. John Carpenter hated these girls. <laughs> there's actually... Oh. There's actually a debate. Um, Halloween four, when um, Rachel and is taking Jamie, she's with a friend to take Jamie to get her costume. The girl in the car she's with is a brunette, and her name is uh, Lindsay. Mm-hmm. That oh, uh, okay. yeah. people wonder if that's actually Lindsay Wallace, because in that earlier script it was, but when they shot the movie, the character was on the shooting script was just Lindsay. Lindsay. And the character's inconsequential to anything. Yeah. Else, but the age appropriate for she'd probably move out of Haddonfield. Yeah, Hold on, because I like this. Loomis gets like this. Oh yeah, like hey, I made a joke. I'm so happy about myself, and then immediately scared. Right? <laughs> it's <laughs> one of the it's one of the few times you see him grin. Yeah, and then his his dreams are immediately crushed because <laughs> he gets scared yeah. right away. <laughs> Maybe this will turn out all right. No. <laughs> and I have to I have to say I have to give Acre Bay I have to commend them on every every time they've. Uh, Release this movie on Blu-ray. It's felt like I've I've never seen the movie before the first time I watch it. <laughs> They've done such a great job with the both transfer. The first transfer was pretty damn good, and then they went to redo this, and I was like, oh wow, okay, totally worth the upgrade. Interesting choice to break this movie up and how it inserts the Illumina scenes. Like it could have easily stuck with the Michael stuff and just made it unrelenting and of him finally cashing in on this. But no, we're still going back to Loomis and mm-hmm. monologues with him and Chuck Cypher. Just like... And it just it helps to build the mystique of Michael. Yeah. We have more exposition to get through. <laughs> and, it, and it helps to make it, you know, these are the two guys that are pens- uh, the parental you know protector figures for the girls and they, they seem so far away and i think that's what's trying to establish yet so close it's so close i mean that was one of the, the key things with like in the friday the 13th series whenever they wrote them was we need to keep kids as far away from parental you know protection as possible because if they're around adults and it, it feels a little too comforting so that's essentially what's going on here. Because we, you know, there's neighbors and stuff, but we don't know them. We don't see them outside. We don't think of them to give the assist. Now, here we get um, uh, Bob Wan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, now, I, Brandon, you're, you know this. Uh, um, what's his name? Um, uh, Dennis Quaid was supposed to, could have played this part, yes. right? Yes. Dennis Quaid hung out on the set because he was, uh, him and PJ Souls, they, they were married, I believe, for a short time. Too and yeah, he was on the set. She was bigger than him at this time, I think. Yeah, she was pretty pretty big at this point. Yeah. All he had was what like breaking uh, breaking a, breaking break, away maybe away. even. But yeah, she was with him and she was she done carry. She had this and she got stripes. Like, I don't know. You know she's what a babe. Happened. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What did happen? I gotta look this up. <laughs> then I didn't see her again till Devil's Rejects. Like. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, you know, a lot of a lot of actresses back then just like quit to be moms too. So true. So there's like a is this a long shot too? Because you know there's there's like yeah the big because there's there's like a dolly track that PJH Souls trips on when she's running out of the scene. (laughs) And then we get a shadow, Michael, and the TV's been moved too. If you notice. Oh yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, PJ Souls. There you go. Stripes. Yeah, like I said, Stripes is the last thing I remember seeing her in. Yeah, there's certain, there's other. Told, told Devil's Rejects. There's other things here. Uh, but yeah, not, not like, you know, movies you know, or movies where she's like the big star. I remember Jawbreaker. I remember that. That's a movie. <laughs> I love the contrast between Lori and Annie as babysitters. Oh, yeah. Like, Lori does everything she can to entertain the kid for the evening and is all involved. And then Annie is doing her best to get rid of the kid. The kid's sitting by herself watching TV while Annie's on the phone the whole time. Good girl, bad girl. Yes. And I find it funny some of the ties that Carpenter put in the script to, to this. Like, little... Little kind of Easter egg things for Halloween too, because he did he did write him and Deborah Hill did write it. But like yeah. Laurie Laurie has a crush on a guy named Ben Tramer, and in Halloween two, Doctor Loomis sees a guy in a Michael Myers mask and traces him down, and he gets hit by a, a cop car, which it slams the guy into a, a van and it explodes, and we find out later that that was Ben Tramer. So Laurie will never get the love and she could have had from Ben. Laurie, yeah, would never. It's all destiny, some would say. <laughs> yes, and there's just little fun tidbits in there like that. Oh, hold on. Nick Castle directed Major Pain. That movie's amazing. Oh, that's right, yeah. And Dennis the Menace. Not as amazing as Major Pain, but still decent. He was working. He was doing, he was doing his job. Getting a chuck, man. Hey, he directed Macaulay. And what? What was... Macaulay wasn't Dennis the Menace? Macaulay Culkin was too good for Dennis the Menace. Oh, was he? Which one Mace, was he? Mason Gamble of, oh, okay. um, of, uh, of Rushmore fame was, of course, in Dennis the Menace. Oh, okay. Macaulay did uh, Richie Rich. That's okay. I got him screwed up. Superior film. <laughs> I bet Nick Castle wanted Richie Rich, though. He wanted it bad, I bet. Yeah. I'm looking up Richie Rich now as your director. Who landed that one? Who landed that gold mine? I love the, the jack-o'-lantern bedside. It's a nice touch. I was hoping it would be someone, like, great, but it's Donald P. Petrie, who, of course, did Grumpy Old Men, uh, Mystic Pizza, uh, Welcome to Moose... Ah, oh, God, okay. Miss Congeniality. <laughs> oh, he has such a great uh, Wikipedia picture. It's like, hey, it's me. Like, that's his picture. Anyway, <laughs> back to... <laughs> How <laughs> are you? Uh, Bob Wands giving the love into PJ Souls. <laughs> With his glasses on. Oh, yeah. It's Bob Wan. <laughs> Michael's still watching. They've moved upstairs, and so has Michael. Richie Rich has an amazing poster. <laughs> this is Macaulay Culkin, like, holding up a fist of triumph that John Larrakit tried to strap to the top of a car. <laughs> Richie Rich. Good um casual toplessness right here. Yes, it's it's real. Not I'm not just saying that because like hey boobs it's just it's real like it. <laughs> and I love the banter in this movie between the kids is just like terrific. It's funny. It's it's memorable. Yeah, I I don't think anyone's giving a, a bad like a seventies bad performance here. I think it all mm-hmm. it all feels very it feels very naturalistic. Well, and if they are, the dialogue just helps. Like, I mean, I don't know, for me, like, a lot of people, 
grew up watching like teen comedies and, and stuff like that. They watched like Breakfast Club over and over. I guess my teen movies were these horror slasher films growing up, like the for the Halloweens and the Friday the Thirteenth. Those were my uh, teen characters with quotables, I guess. I can't hardly wait, and I, I just I don't like that movie. I don't know what's wrong with me. Apparently, <laughs> I, I didn't mind that one. And freaking Hook for younger days, and I hate Hook so much. <laughs> understand. You hate Hook so much, really. I put it it's down there with Always and uh <laughs> Ooh, wow. That is It's not a good, ha- it's not a good Spielberg movie. I I haven't seen Hook since I saw it in the theater and I've chosen never to revisit it for some it's, reason. It's just long. Like I don't understand yeah. why people like do people forget that it's a like, 2 hour two and a half hours long and like Peter <laughs> Pan doesn't arrive till like 90 minutes into the movie <laughs> like <laughs> is Rufio that like intoxicating? He doesn't arrive till like an hour into the movie. I don't understand Hook. <laughs> <laughs> You don't need to tonight because we're understanding Halloween. That's a great jump scare right there. That's like, boom. Yes, this yeah. is a great kill. And this is a great just. This is I love just Michael in this scene of just the reaction he has to doing this thing. All in that castle apparently. That's a great just the head tilt that happens here. Like it's well, so. I love the feet too. When his feet just come uncurled. Yeah. I like how it ties into the dog, where he kills the dog, and you just see the legs kind of... Uh, yeah. Like, you're just helpless. Just stopped in your tracks, dead. Head tilt. Kind of looking at Admiring it. Double held. Taking his time. He's a professional. He wants to enjoy what he's doing. Strong knife, by the way, too. Yes. Must be Cutco. Um, this is creepy as hell. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I uh, I needed one uh, a couple years ago. I went out to my wife's nightclub for Halloween and needed a makeshift costume real quick. So I went as that. Hmm. Confused people like crazy. My friend did um, the shower from Karate Kid one year and nobody got that. <laughs> they just called him Shower Man. I got asked if I was from Beetlejuice quite often. That's not a bad guess, though. No, I guess. that's pretty good. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I wonder if this is how Michael convinced the trucker to pull over. He just wore this classic ghost costume. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Can you help me with my car? <laughs> he poked holes in it too. That was. Or maybe there was like an extra nurse's uniform in the back, and he like he wooed them. This is the only reason you need a full-frame version of this movie, right? That's a boob joke. Um, (laughs) (laughs) About to get to... That's a great, like... I like that, like, Michael hesitation, like, well, I guess I'll kill her now. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Yeah, I could kill her with the phone cord. I'm curious what the rest of his plan would have been if she just sat there the whole night, (laughs) like, just bitching at him. Do you know how like planned out these kind of attacks were of like what the girls' reactions were going to be versus what Michael was going to do? Um, they were, yeah, they were pretty. They were scripted. It's like here's the scene where Michael's going to take you down, like because like yeah. the curtain, because like the curtain comes or the sheet comes off his head here, and I imagine that's yeah planned. But at the same time, it just it's so like cool and just well, like it's all natural. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a terrific reveal. It's the first time we get to see like clear what michael looks like 
the the awesome mask that they would for some reason fail like hell in sequels to replicate Halloween 2 is the same mask Halloween 4 there's two shots of the movie with that mask but the hair had weathered and it was like bright blonde I haven't but, seen Resurrection or I haven't seen H2O in a while is that what's that one like that was the okay Five, I think, has, like, the worst mask, hands down, but H2O has got a lot of problems. There's, like, nine masks in that movie. And it's, oh, like, geez, it's okay. It, there's even a CG mask. They start off the movie using the mask from Halloween 6, and then they have, like, four or five different masks. They, I mean, from shot to shot, it'll change, and it's it's rather, ugh, it bugs me quite a bit. And one of the problems I have with their main mask was, like, the eye holes were too big, and you could clearly just see his eyes. Well, surely Resurrection corrected this, right? Yeah. Resurrection have. had one mask with a big fro, and it looked—it just looked like an angry chimp. Well, yeah, they had Buster Rhymes in an entire bank. Yes, this is true. Because, <laughs> yeah, you have me on here calling Buster Rhymes an angry chimp now. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. That's like, not right. Can't wait to see the comments for that. Oh, no. give me some more. Um, <laughs> I, liked what Ro- I liked what Rob Zombie tried, essentially, since he kind of... His mask looked pretty good. Because he, he, he actually had kind of an origin story for the mask itself, too, which was yeah. pretty neat. And he wasn't afraid to, like, do different things with it and batter it. And yeah. It's very cool. Um, I thought the, the mask in Halloween 6 actually isn't too bad. The Curse of Michael Mouse? Yeah, that was not... That one, actually, yeah, that one is... That movie's weird, man. I just watched that <laughs> I again. Told you, it's, it's fascinatingly weird, and it's a great point of discussion with its production history. It's we have to talk I about mean, the we have to talk about the ending after we do this because I was like, what? <laughs> it, it it got yeah, like I wrote three pieces dedicated to that movie in my retrospective because it's just I mean it's just it's a big point of discussion when talked about the Halloween series. Is that I want, movie. To, I want to shout that out too? By the way, we kind of mentioned it. In- on Brandon's blog, the daptownnerd.blogspot.com, um, he's been writing. He has basically posted at least one article a day that revolves around the Halloween franchise in some way for all of October so far, and it's been I've I've been very much enjoying it, including the ones written by Jim Dietz, who's on this podcast with us right now. Oh, well, thanks. As well as uh, one of the other, how many guests have you had? Just the Jim and uh, Jim and Laney. And Laney. I, and I have some more coming. You have some more cool, and I'm going to write one eventually as well. But yeah, overall, I've been I've been really enjoying all these posts that I've been reading for from. Thank you. So be sure I, sure to check that out. It was like yeah, when I first started my James Bond series, I I was going through October, and I was like, oh, you know what? I marked on my calendar. I was like, next year, I am going to write about this, and I'm going to do it like overdo it. So. I hope people have been enjoying them. We didn't really commemorate your kind of year your status as a podcaster, but I mean, I I, I essentially got you into this because of your yes. Bond series. <laughs> like, I, I was enjoying reading those so much. Where I was like, we should talk about Skyfall when that comes out, but that was like three months ahead of time. So, I'm like, well, let's do a commentary. So that was so we started. And it turned into four commentaries because we enjoyed doing those so much. So. Yes. Oh, yes, and I I appreciate. I've loved doing these. So, thank you, and yeah, thank you for bringing me on board. Sure, it's fun. It's fun doing these, especially with someone that's you know doing retrospective pieces. They obviously have a lot of information to share about these movies that we talk about. So that's why I like having you on a lot of these, as well as Jim too. Because Jim, Jim, what I like about Jim, besides the fact that he has the best voice on podcasting, uh-huh. uh, he uh, he he's <laughs> not to point out your age, but you've seen a lot of these movies that we do when they came out, and so that's a unique yeah, perspective. I'm old. I'm, I'm an old guy. But you have a unique perspective, and you also like to talk about these things. So <laughs> yes. It works well yeah. to do all these commentaries. Yeah, Jim, Jim and I like to talk about old stuff. 
Yeah, I'm old. Awesome. <laughs> so we just we just we just got all the way by this, but I love that whole scene of of Lori's basic curiosity of why are my friends not answering me? <laughs> from from the moment she goes to check on the kids and walks down the stairs, I'm just amazement. Love out shot everything. This is all one. This is all one right? We're all in the same take still, aren't we? Well, from when she left the the house. From when we left the house, yeah. Yeah, and oh, man, this is just such a pivotal moment in I, horror, horror and film history. I mean, this is where essentially this would appear a jillion times from 1980 to 1984 in theaters. Is anybody there? This is so, and it's Hello? so freaky because you know this guy's here, and you know he's killed these other girls so far. Don't go in there. Don't such, go in there. <laughs> this is such a great context of like. Like God, this there's nothing good can come out of this. You need to stop, girl, and go back. But she's not going. Yeah, to don't this. go in there. I told her that, not to go in there. That guy who's been stalking you all day, he's in there. Is the fake glass in this scene, Jamie? No, not yet. They replace it yet. later on. When you when you have the rake in the in the door, it'll be there. I'd love someone to make some kind of fan video that's like Michael's perspective. <laughs> Because he's going to run around the house and put a rake there. Right exactly. Now. And because you'd have to, like, kind of hurry up and, do, and, like, and like, set up things. And <laughs> it's got to be walking around the house. You know, it would be kind of a cool concept for an experimental film is to do Scream from Billy and Stu's angle. That'd be kind of interesting. If you wanted to do that and have characters talking and stuff, make it interesting. Even, like, Scream 3 tried that by just. Warping that backstory. God, I hate Scream Three too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I try to add, adding more onto that backstory. Scream Three is like the Halloween Six of <laughs> movies. But more Scooby Doo. Well, I guess Maniac is the kind of the answer to that question. And among yeah, I, other, yeah. like I obviously like like Peeping Tom is like the ultimate example of that one. But yeah. have you seen Peeping Tom? Is that part of any retrospective? It'll, um, if I ever get to Psycho, I guess. Yeah, probably. Attach it to Psycho because I attach Black Christmas to Halloween. Exactly. Yeah, that's, a, that's actually what I was wondering if that was going to come up. Peeping Tom is another. <laughs> I, I titled it because I'm not ignorant. Yeah. Pe- Peeping Tom is a film that was released in England um, that kind of came out around this, uh, like a year before, maybe months before Psycho did, and has this. It's not even that similar. It's just more of like there's a guy that's stabbing women, like kind of thing. I mean, yeah, and you know when people are like, "Oh, Psycho totally influenced Halloween," I'm like. The similarities are people stabbing people and Jamie Lee Curtis is Janet Lee's daughter. I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, if you, just because people stab people with a knife, I mean, does that make them similar pictures? Because Psycho's rather tame. There's one murder, or there's two murders, but... And the very concept of the movie is completely different. I mean, it, and that's yeah. like a psychological yeah. thriller to an extent that shifts protagonists three times. I mean, it's... <laughs> Peeping yeah. Tom has a lot more to say about the voyeur and the whole exactly, idea yeah. of watching, you know, the difference between watching something and being part of something and where the line is drawn and stuff. It's pretty artful, mm-hmm. you know, a film. Not that Psycho isn't, but just in a different way, you know? Yeah, exactly. Okay, so now Lori's and... stumbled onto nonsense here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like, I, I, get, I mean, he's not, he's not his sister in the earth. They're not related in this movie but what is the purpose of this i guess the idea is you don't know so it doesn't matter it's just creepy ritualistic looking stuff he he brought the damn (laughs) tombstone so i guess it's like okay it's 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 yeah it's not supposed to make sense here that's part of the 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 creepiness it helps that okay so did 
did Carpenter and Hill establish that they're brother and sister and them and them writing? Carpenter the... was drunk one night and needed some kind of hook for Halloween too and threw that in there. And he says he wishes he didn't. Okay. And I don't mind it for Halloween too, but it, it, when you get to Halloween four, that's the one that establishes that, that this is what this series is going to be. Mm-hmm. Is that you know because they they have in Halloween four is uh, Laurie Strode's daughter. This doesn't work in full frame at all. No, no. no but this is awesome. How does he miss? <laughs> and that, that's, that was Tommy Lee Wallace as well because he had to hit her with that knife. Because how does he miss? Like. I but love the this, shot of him at this, the top of the stairs, is, too. Yes, this is amazing. This is Nick, all Nick Castle, and I love the way he walks down the stairs. Yeah, I, it's really nice. It's oh, it's incredible. And I, guess, I, I once mocked it in a one of my little high school movies. I think it's because he's pissed off because he missed for the first time. <laughs> like, everything else he's done with such precision. Now he's like, how did I? Like, even he has to be like, how did, what? <laughs> like, how did I do that wrong? I was good at this. There's the fake glass. Uh, there it is. Yeah, and then he's just bust, busting through this door. It's just scary. It's real. Yeah, it just feels like oh man, it doesn't feel like some actor. Yeah, because it's not or like stunt, breaking out or stuntman coming after. It's, it's some. It feels like a real door just got broken into. It's a guy with a big knife. Same with yeah. the um the the uh, closet later on. Just terrifying the closet scene. For some reason, I'm thinking about that movie Behind the Mask. Oh, that's a good. I like that movie a lot. Yeah, I did too. I'm like, I'm you know, I'm seeing the thing with the rake, and it's like, okay, well, we set this up here so she could do this. And... That's a it's a terrific little movie. Yeah, it is. And I, I went and wa- I I watched it recently, like a couple months ago again, and I forgot it's actually kind of a found footage movie. Yeah, yeah. Well, the first part of it is. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, you know, it doesn't cross your mind. I mean, it's beyond that in terms of its quality, but. It was before, like, that was before, like, even Cloverfield, right? Yeah, yeah, it was before Cloverfield. There's what's like, uh, was like Man Bite Dog. I'm thinking of just the early found footage movies. <laughs> uh, yeah, by, by the way, the hottest, I, the hottest I think Laurie is in this movie is when she's knocking on the neighbor's door. Uh, <laughs> and here, here, this, this is, uh, here's where the, the trick where you find out the house that they're shooting inside of is not this house because the door handles are on the opposite sides. Yeah. And this is just, oh man, my heart, when I, this scene right here was just, my heart was pounding when the first time I saw this as a kid. I was going nuts. Because, you know, like I said, if, if Michael gets Lori, he gets you. This is, the, yeah. Yeah. This, this is the kind of thing that always works on me. The kind of like, there's a threat coming and there's a door locked. We need to open this door. Because it happens in Evil Dead also with the, with the, the presence in the camera yes. shooting out the, at that, um, at Ash's sister. And it, it's just like, I don't care about the time logic involved in this sequence. If Michael probably would have reached her in real life, but I mean, it just works so well. Yeah, there's there's a, a couple um, shots in some of the early Friday the Thirteenth movies that you know almost captured that magic of the chase yeah. that they had right there, and with some really cool inventive shots themselves. But nothing, nothing came even close. See, to that. that's my that's kind of my problems with the Friday series. I just don't think it's. Beyond like the death stuff, I just never feel like I'm getting that great creativity. And I, I luckily I got to see I saw the Friday movies before Halloween, mm-hmm. so you know being inferior to Halloween, it worked to advantage. When I'm like, oh, I've seen nice. Friday. What's ha- what's Halloween gonna do? And wow, oh, that's gonna leave a mark. Yeah. 
God, I, I, like, so Nodding is just cheering during that point, too? Like, when he just falls down for the first yeah. time? Yeah. And then they yell at her when she drops the knife. Don't put the knife down! But, I mean, in all honesty, this is, for all intents and purposes, we'll call it the first slasher film. It you stab a guy with a needle in the neck, you think he's dead. She's, right. looking, she's looking at the body of a dead, per- of a seemingly dead person. Well, what appear- we see, what we see as cliche now, then really wasn't. He doesn't. Yeah. Appear, he doesn't appear because to be people breathing. would do these things, phone like, very phony, <laughs> and then it would be that. So, but this right now, I mean, I guess Carpenter kind of wanted people to be like, no, don't drop that. But you don't know. This is the first time he's been attacked. Yeah, another cut. <laughs> but it, I, I just remember like the entire when you know with the the success of this movie, all the slasher films that came in its wake, um, Prom Night, Tourist Trap, um, Sleepaway Camp. Sleepaway uh, Camp. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, there, there were just so many. I mean, they were trying to uh, you know emulate the success of this movie, and uh, you know they went for gore and they went for bigger knives and and more indestructible. Uh, villains or whatnot, but they really didn't understand like this creepy suburban vibe that really pervades this movie is really its secret weapon. I mean, it's really, you know, that's why it was scary to watch this in the theater when it came, you know, when it came out or near when it came out when I saw it. You know? I, I really, I do enjoy the it, the first Friday the Thirteenth. Actually, is more it infuses like a uh, the Agatha Christie uh, Ten Little Indians and then there were none vibe, although it has a, a massive cheat for its reveal, yes. but it's still, it still, it works in that fashion. It kind of can be its own thing. It does have that point of view thing going too. I forget about yeah. that sometimes. Yeah. It did have a kind of identity in the first one. Yeah. And I mean, Halloween was the blueprint, but Friday the 13th is the one that truly spawned everything coming out after. I love that this. Movie hit. Oh my God. This is oh yeah. And it looks even better on this new Blu-ray. This, oh, this yeah, shot right here is... That's so just. She's rocking those bell bottoms, by the way. Um, oh yeah. It, it's. Uh, I love her logic. She gets the kids safe. Michael doesn't care about the kids, but still, she keeps that in mind. She tries to do something. She opens some doors, and that. Makes... And it doesn't even phase Michael. He's like, "Yeah, you're in the closet." Yeah, he's he's got a, he's got a, a sixth sense about the, the Lord. This just this image is just creepy. And there's been like specials and documentaries where they slow that up, and it's even creepier. And this is, I mean, there's, there's just no way out. That's what you think right now. Like, what can she do? <laughs> it's great. It's good. It's great that she knows how to unwind a uh, clothes hanger as quick as she can. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, and Lainey Fieser, who wrote me the first uh, guest spot, was, you know, her article was about taking the line of Lori calling herself an old Girl Scout and applying it to her survival tactics in this and it actually you know it fits quite well with her you know babysitting and her skills and her ability to escape with michael that light coming on is awesome yeah <laughs> that light coming on makes the scene even better <laughs> like i don't know why it does it but it does <laughs> Just it coming on and off like that. That's so just killer. Stab. Adam. <laughs> Drops a knife. Let's try this again. 
and right in the chest. Do you say? So do you think he like heals like Wolverine style? <laughs> like... I. She just missed every important. Well, I mean, even at the blinding, like he's not blind anymore after that. <laughs> hey, in the next movie, she'll shoot him in both eyes. Both, both yeah, eyes. he'll come back for more sequels. As well as Donald Pleasance. <laughs> yes. <After> the... <laughs> Donald Pleasance is he, in the middle of the, the... He is the starting point of explosion in Survive. The, the Haddonfield Memorial Hospital explosion of 1978. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which was covered by reporter Dana Carvey. <laughs> wow. Do people yell when she tosses it again? <laughs> yes. After the, Okay, after the first one... She gets away with it. It's okay with the first one, but that one... You fool me yell. once, shame on you. Fool me twice, you, you ain't gonna fool me again. But funny enough, <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't pick up the knife. <laughs> well, he realizes, like, okay, clearly this plan is not working. <laughs> the old the old strangle plan seemed to do pretty well on the first two girls. Maybe I should just stick with that one. That's what he's, that's what he's thinking. Knives are for men. <laughs> But the knife is so much flashy. I mean, I brought the knife. Why did I bring the knife if I'm not going to use it? I do like that the instructions to the kids means go outside and scream heavily, apparently. And here comes, like, my favorite shot in a movie ever. That's a great one. Like, just, oh, so good. That should be the cover for a movie. <laughs> why, <laughs> why isn't that a poster? Like, honestly. There, there was somebody who, uh, have you ever been to the fake Criterion? Uh, I've seen, yeah, I haven't seen that one, I guess. There's one with that on there. That's like that guy. I mean, that's a great image. It is. There's a lot of great still. I mean, the house is a great still shot in this movie. That's how good this movie is in terms of, like, things you can pause and look at. Yeah. (laughs) This is, ah, so awesome. So reliant on simplicity. Just guy walking. (laughs) I remember seeing, like, this and uh, Texas Chainsaw and Dawn of the Dead all for the first time in a row. After seeing this, I just wanted to check out as many horror movies as I could. The mask comes off a little bit. He's not supposed to look deranged, right? He's just kind of like... He's supposed to look angelic. That 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 didn't work. Okay, here's my favorite shot right here in this movie. The little boy at the beginning does. He's just standing there. Yeah, like what? That is what my article is going to be, yeah. by the way. That's what I'm going to write about. But um, awesome. It's just like, there's no stopping him. <laughs> like that's, he's just standing there waiting. It's like you know, like it's just great. Oh my god. It's like, what is evil? That image was evil to me. Do you think? Uh, and I, this movie is held up, you know, pretty high in the horror rankings, but. If this didn't inspire or spawn the golden era of slashers where it was being knocked off constantly um, and then have a ton of sequels itself, do you think it'd be held up higher in just the general film pantheon? You see, if there weren't like other movies that came after this that if there was Halloween. if there was just Halloween and it didn't inspire like Friday the thirteenth, my bloody Valentine, the Prowler. I would say so just because I would say so just because of, I mean, someone like Roger Ebert obviously helped this movie out tremendously, but yeah. also, like, it was a huge hit, right? It made a lot of money. Yeah, it did. It was, but, I mean, without, but then, just a few short years With later. With the legacy carryover. Yeah. 
would the legacy be better because it didn't have the knockoffs? Because, it, I mean, there are a lot of people that just find it to be garbage, the slasher genre, and they just, they'll, you know, Halloween's the starting point, so it gets lumped in unfairly with people who may not be familiar with, you know, how great this film is. I mean, I, I guess you're asking an impossible question, essentially. That's, and I can't, I don't, I don't know how it, because yeah. it had, I mean, successful movies inspire copycat movies. I mean, that's the industry itself, right? So it. Yeah, I mean, but The Exorcist hasn't really been ripped off a ton until recently. No, it was ripped off a lot in the 70s. Was it? Yeah, there were a lot of uh, devil, there was like a whole spate of devil Abby? movies. I know. Yeah. I mean, uh, in the seventies, I mean that was that and Rosemary's Baby, uh, yeah. in the early seventies, spawned a lot of copycats, especially on television movies and things like that. I mean, I'm thinking of one. I mean, there's so many. Um, well, I was Alan, Al- Alan Alda possession. was in one. You know? But yeah, I was just but, thinking more straight possession. I was well, in... like we had Audrey Rose, which was a possession yeah. movie. Um, she was. I mean, there were just so many. I mean. Like Aaron said, when if something is successful, it, it you know always has copycats. I mean, yeah. think of all the cheesy after the apocalypse movies that came out in the wake of Road Warrior. You know, yeah, let alone just sequels to these movies. I mean, Exorcist has right. like three sequels. How many sequels does Exorcist have? Like, it's got it's got four, two sequels uh, and one prequel done twice. One people, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, uh, yeah, I mean that's 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 where legacy comes from is the fact that other movies want to be like you. Yeah. Uh, for some reason, my mind went to Austin Powers. <laughs> Women wanted to be with him, men wanted to be like him. I mean, it's um, it just comes with the territory movie that becomes that kind of success. And like Halloween, I guess it could stand. I mean, its legacy could be held up because it's one of the biggest independent films of all time as well, right? That mm-hmm. was another thing that really set. Until Ninja apart. Turtles. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but Blair Witch, I guess. Blair Witch, but Ninja yeah. Turtles was technically an independent picture when it came out, but they've since gone back and said no. But, I mean, in the 70s when this was coming out, I mean, indie film was just kind of, I mean, Easy Rider was like the first really big indie film to break out. I mean, the whole studio system was breaking down because of indie films. And this was one of the most commercially successful indie films in 78 that came out. I mean, the fact that it was indie was almost as important as the, the, you know, the way it defined the genre itself. Well, I mean, this one was out for a while and wasn't doing well, and then had to go back around to places it had not done well before. But there are movies that built momentum over time by their reputation. Like, I mean, Aaron said, you know, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you know, um, know, they get showings in repertory houses or, or like you said, brought back around around Halloween time or whatever. Yeah. So. So the movie's ended at this point, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) but uh, yeah, I mean Halloween classic, and I I it, I watch it every Halloween. I um, every October, I'll, it, is, it is a movie I, I must watch at some point during this month. That and the Evil Dead trilogy are the only movies I do that for, um, for me. And uh, Brandon, you've already established it's your favorite movie ever. Yeah. And um, I mean, I'll watch it on Christmas. I'll watch it on Valentine's <laughs> Day. Uh, Easter. And it's, a, it's a it's a franchise I mostly like as well. <laughs> I, I, I get a kick out of watching other Halloween movies, except three in Resurrection. Um, I know you like three a little more than I do, Brandon. But <laughs> regardless, <laughs> I like five more than you like it. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah, I don't hate three. But with all that said, that's uh that's gonna have to do it. You know, the movie's over, so there's nothing else for us to talk about. <laughs> this time. This, we, can, we can go on talk about horror for hours, I bet. But uh, this commentary brought to you by Silver Shamrock. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> 
But that's, yeah, that's going to do it for this week's uh, bonus episode about Now There and an Abe. You can find the other episodes at iTunes, at HHWLOD, Stitcher, uh, Potomatic, uh, Feel free to email us, outnowpodcast at gmail.com. Let us you know your thoughts on Halloween or the franchise in general. Facebook.com slash outnowpodcast, Twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast. You can follow and like us there and, uh, you know, send more thoughts on Halloween or like other future horror movie commentaries or other John Carpenter movie commentaries we can do in the future. I know it's fun to do for us, and I, I applaud those of you who listen all the way to this point in the show where we just kind of ramble on until you guys check out. But um, I will use almost any excuse to watch a John Carpenter movie. There you go. Yes. Jim, where can people find more of your work? Uh, HHWLOD.com is uh, the family of podcasts that you are also a part of, Aaron. Uh, from all over the country, all over the all over the geek spectrum, check it out. We have Shows for many uh, different uh, geekly uh, pursuits, the Walking Dead TV podcast, uh, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. We also have uh, Long Box of Doom for comics, Real Heroes for movies, um, the Out Now with Aaron and Abe podcast, of course, that you're listening to now. Check it out there. And you can check out my blog, Retropolis, on uh, the Taylor Network of Podcasts.com. Um, so weekly, I, I write about things that are old because I am old. <laughs> uh, Brandon? Uh, my Twitter is. Twitter.com slash BT Peters. Um, you can find my, you can read my blog, Naptown Nerd, NaptownNerd.blogspot.com, as we've said. Um, yeah, it's all Halloween right now. Um, nothing else. And uh, you can see, my, you can read my uh, Blu ray reviews on WeisselBlue.com. And also on the HHWLOD podcast, there's the Ichapod Crankcast. Yeah. Where I'm on with, on with Aaron here and Maxwell Haddad, and we discuss Sleepy Hollow. So, and we have a contest going for that right now. So listen to the episode to find out what that is. I love that show. And uh, yeah, that's going to do it. Thank you guys for joining me to discuss Halloween in a commentary form. Thank you. Thank you for having us. For sure. And until next time, so long and goodbye. That's a great, like, I like that, like, Michael hesitation, like, well, I guess I'll kill her now. <laughs> like, yeah. You know what? Yeah, I could kill her with the phone cord. I'm curious what the rest of his plan would have been if she just sat there the whole night, <laughs> like, just bitching at him. <laughs>